Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we do thank you that you are faithful. And Lord, we can trust in all of your wonderful promises that you give to us day after day, Lord. And Lord, you allow us to live life without fear because you have broken every chain that holds us down and binds us. All the chains of fear, the chains of sin, the chains of death, Lord, you have broken them and conquered them when you conquered the grave. So we praise you today, Lord, for your faithfulness and the promises that are still yet to come. Eternal life in your kingdom. Oh Lord, I pray as we think about your promises that we would be able to truly live in complete trust in you. So open our eyes to see your faithfulness today. Strengthen our faith. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, and I hope you do, turn with me to Psalm 91. Psalm 91, as we continue our study, our summer in the Psalms. Psalm 91, if you do not have a Bible, then I invite you to take out one of the Pew Bibles there in front of you, and it's on page 465 in the Pew Bible, 465 in the Pew Bible. And if you don't have a Bible, then I certainly want to invite you to take that Bible with you uh, that's our gift to you. We want you to have a copy of God's Word, so please feel free to take that Bible if you do not have one. Psalm 91. Uh, now, everyone, I guess, has some fear, some kind of phobia that you, you most likely deal with. Uh, some people are afraid of heights. Uh, some people are afraid of water. There are those who are afraid of snakes and spiders. I myself, I, I kind of I hate rodents, so I don't like mice or rats or anything like that. I think Gabby one time wanted a, a hamster or something. I was like, nope, nope, no, none of that. You're, you're better off asking for a snake than a hamster in my house. I don't do rodents. I hate them. Uh, that goes to, back to an episode in my life. I won't bore you with those details, but uh, I had an episode with a, a, a mouse one time when I was a kid, and so I don't like mice at all, uh, any kind of rodent. So that's kind of my fear that I deal with. I can handle snakes and spiders and all those things, but uh, mice get me every time. So uh, we all have some kind of phobia that we deal with. But we can take those phobias to the extreme, right? I mean, we can go to the point where our phobias uh, keep us from enjoying life to its fullest. I mean, we can argue that a certain amount of fear in a fallen world is healthy. Uh, God has given us that, the, the, the nature of fear in, in some respects to, to keep us safe and, and keep us out of danger. So a little bit of fear is healthy, but, but when you allow fear to so uh, entrap you and enslave you that you, you don't get to experience the fullness of life that God has for you, then that fear is a problem. 
that fear is a real problem. And God doesn't want us to be enslaved by fear. He wants us to experience life to its fullest, to the fullness that, that he has laid out for us. And so we want to experience that. So let me ask you today, what fear do you have that is keeping you from experiencing the fullness of the life that God has for you? What fear do you have that is keeping you from experiencing the fullness of life that God has in store for you. In today's psalm, Psalm 91, it helps us to overcome our fears by calling us to truly trust in God. To truly trust in God. When we truly trust in God, all those fears disappear. And we can truly live so today we see when you, you truly trust in God, you can live life without fear. When you truly trust in God, you can live life without fear. Do you desire to live a fearless life? Especially a fearless life for the glory of God? Then truly trust in God. My prayer is that our faith will be increased today. As we, we see this invitation from God to, to truly trust in Him and hear His promises to us, I pray that our faith would grow and that we would be able to live fearless lives for the glory of Jesus Christ. Psalm 91 is a, a hymn of trust. It's a hymn of trust. It's, the psalmist here is writing to build trust. We don't know the author of the psalm. We're not, we don't know when it was written. We don't know the circumstances around it. It's kind of just there. But this was a psalm that was sung in worship. And it's a psalm that calls us to trust in God, to rest in Him, and find our hope in Him alone. And so we see kind of the, the layout of the psalm. And let me just, before I read it, let me just kind of lay out the psalm for you. It, it begins with, the psalmist's own confession of faith in God in the first couple of verses there. Then it moves to the, the psalmist's invitation to all of us to trust in God and, and why we ought to trust in God. And then it ends with God's affirmation in the last three verses, God's affirmation, his, Him affirming us being able to trust Him and have faith in Him. So I want you to see that and think about that as I read through this psalm. And if you found your place in the psalm, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Hear the word of the Lord. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night 
nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague no plague come near your tent or he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone you will tread on the lion and the adder the young lion and the serpent you will trample under foot now here's the affirmation from the Lord because he holds fast to me in love. I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. So as we begin to look at this psalm, the first principle that we see here is that when you truly trust in God, you are fully committed to him. When you truly trust in God, that means you are fully committed to him. We see this in the psalmist's own proclamation, his own confession of faith. Notice what he says there in those first two verses. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. Now notice these words here. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Now, those are pretty strong words there. He who abides, he who dwells. You just think about those, those verbs for a moment. What is he, he talking about? You see, this is not a person who just shows up to church on Sunday and goes through the religious motions of Christianity, is it? Nor is it the one who, who flies to the church in the moment trouble strikes. We remember this, and every time that there's a, a national disaster that takes place, what happens? The church fell for a weekend or two. When the 911 attacks took place, people flocked to the church. Why? Because they needed God's protection. They needed Him, and so they fly to Him in the moment, but that's not dwelling in the Lord. Those are strong words. Those who dwell in the Lord, those who abide in Him. And these are those who rest in Him. They, they're in the Lord. They're with the Lord. They're communing with the Lord. They have a relationship with the Lord. Day after day after day after day, they are living for Him and living in His Word. They are dwelling in Him. Now, my uh, in-laws have a, a camp on the river. And I like to go to the camp on the river. It's fun for a weekend to go and just kind of hang out and, and have fun, eat lots of good food. But I, I don't dwell at the, the river camp. 
I visit the river camp. But my home, I dwell in it. That's where I get rest, and there's no bed like my bed, right? I rest there. I find shelter there. I'm comfortable there because I dwell there day after day after day after day. And so as we see this, those who trust in the Lord are not those who just run to the Lord when times are bad. That's not dwelling in the Lord. That's not truly trusting in God. But to truly trust in God is to commit yourself to Him, to dwell in Him, to abide in Him. This is the very same thing that Jesus tells us in John chapter 15. Find that spot here. John chapter 15, uh, verses 4 through 11, Jesus tells us this very same thing. Actually, I'm going to back up a little bit. I'm just going to start at verse 1. I am the true vine, Jesus says, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you have been clean because the word that I have spoken to you. Now watch this. Abide in me. Same word, right? Abide in me and I in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless, you, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, truly trusting in God, the life of true faith, if you will, is, is a, a life that abides in God, rests in God. It's not a place that you visit for a weekend, but you are in God day in and day out. You abide in Him. He goes on there and expresses it even more in his own confession. I will say to the Lord, my refuge. You are my refuge. You're not their refuge. You're not his refuge or her refuge. You are my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. The one who truly trusts in God. The one to whom all of these promises that we're going to, about to look at uh, obtain, uh, pertain to are those who are truly committed to God, who abide in Him, who dwell in Him and rest in His salvation. Let me ask you, friend, do you abide in the Lord? Are you truly committed to Him? Are you just a weekend warrior, a visitor for the day and then gone tomorrow doing your own thing? Truly trusting in the Lord means committing your life to Him. Have you committed your life to Christ today? Do you abide in Him day after day? Truly trusting in the Lord means committing your life to Him. Second, when you truly trust in God, you fear nothing. When you truly trust in God, you can live and fear absolutely nothing. Why? Why? Because of God's promises. And the psalmist lay out, lays out some of those promises to us in these following verses, verses 3 through uh, 13. 
And so let's look at some of these promises. First of all, we see that God promises habitual deliverance. God promises habitual deliverance. Look at those first few verses there, verses 3 through 6. For, because, right? You could change that for with because. Because, here's, here's the reason why, dear friend, you should trust in the Lord. This is the, the psalmist's invitation. Trust in the Lord because of this. Because he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. Now notice the two things that he, he, he saves us from, who he delivers those who trust in him from. First of all, it's the snare of the fowler. That is uh, human evil intent, human enemies, people who want to snare you, who want to trap you, who want to do ill things to you. He will protect you and deliver you from the snare of the fowler, from evil human intent. And he will deliver you from deadly pestilence. He will deliver you from deadly pestilence. That's the the natural things that occur. Diseases and and sicknesses along with every other natural disaster that you can think of. God says, I will deliver you from those things. He will cover you with his pinions. Uh, As Miss Sue was talking about earlier there, pinions is just another word for wings. He will cover you with his pinions, his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. This goes back to Jesus looking over Jerusalem. You remember as he came in Jerusalem for his triumphal entry into Jerusalem on Passion Week, he looked down upon Jerusalem and said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who who kills the prophets and those who are sent to to it. How I would have gathered you under my wings like a mother hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you would not. God gathers us under his wings as a mother hen gathers her chicks to protect them under her wings. That's the image that God has for us. He wants to protect us and and have his wings spread over us to deliver us. He His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear. See that? You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks stalks in, in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. In other words, God's there 24-7. His deliverance, His protection, His safety is there 24-7. God never takes a break. He never goes on vacation. I remember when Elijah was, was having it out with the prophets of Baal. You remember the, most of you remember that story? He gave them a challenge. You, you take your sacrifice and, and you lay it out there and you call upon Baal and see if Baal comes down and lights the sacrifice for you. And, and, and then I will take my sacrifice and I'll lay it out here and I'll call upon Yahweh, my God. And let's just see whose God answers. And as the prophets of Baal lay out their sacrifice there, they start chanting to Baal and and doing all of these things. All day long they're making these chants. They're crying out to Baal. They're even cutting themselves, thinking that will uh, get Baal to to answer them. And uh, I love it. Elijah says, hey, 
try a little louder. Maybe he's in the bathroom, right? Maybe he's asleep. Maybe he's napping. Maybe you should sing a little louder. Then Elijah takes his sacrifice and he covers it with water, just floods it with water, and he prays to God. And God comes down and not only consumes the sacrifice, but he consumes all the water and everything else around there. See, our God never takes a break. He never goes on vacation. He never takes a nap. He is there 24-7 to deliver his people from the dangers of our world. God has promised habitual deliverance. Have you, ever, have you ever had that in your own life? I mean, all of us have probably experienced some moment in our lives where we were an inch away from death. I mean, maybe we were doing something just absolutely stupid. We know we weren't supposed to be doing it. We were driving too fast. We were uh, in the wrong place. We were doing something that was just not very smart. And we get in an accident. Have you ever experienced that? And an inch, an inch saved your life. It's amazing that any of us make it past, say, 16, right? Because we do dumb things. If it's not for the grace of God, where would we be? He habitually saves his people. He habitually delivers us from the evils of this world. Lord Craven was a, a noble Christian man. Or a Christian nobleman who, who lived during the, the uh, 15th century, during a time when the, the plague just totally wiped out London. And so he, Lord Craven, like so many other of his social class, he, he gathered up his things and he decided he's going to move out to his house in the country for a while until this whole plague sweeps by. So he ordered his servants, go gather my things and load up the, the carriage and I'm taking off to the country. But as he was walking down the hall of his house, he heard one of his servants say this, I suppose by my Lord's quitting London to avoid the plague that his God lives in the country and not in town. That struck Lord Craven pretty hard. So hard that he decided to stay in London. He unpacked his bags, he unhooked the carriage, and he stayed put and he said, my God lives everywhere and I can, and, and can preserve me in town as well as in the country. I will stay where I am. And he began to go out. Not only did he stay in London, but he began to go out and he began to help other people who had come ill under the plague. You know what, he never got the plague. He survived. His God delivered him. Our God will habitually deliver us from the dangers of this world. Not only that, but we see here that God promises eternal salvation. Not only does he promise habitual deliverance, but he promises eternal salvation. A thousand may fall at your side, verse 7 says, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Now that's a word we don't use every day. You will see the recompense of the wicked. That means you will see the wicked get what they deserve. You will see the wicked 
just uh, judged and get what rightly belongs to them, what is rightly coming to them. He, this is a, a verse that, that's talking about the judgment that is yet to come. He says to those who trust in the Lord, who trust in God, you will see the wicked fall. You will see them get the reward of their wickedness, their life in uh, rejection to God. You will see that with your own eyes. But you will stand. You will stand. As long as you trust in God, you will stand. And isn't that what the New Testament tells us? Even in Revelation, we see the judgment seat of God. And all of those who have spent their whole life rebelling against God, they will stand before God and they will be judged for their wickedness. And Jesus, the judge of all judges, will stand before them and say, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. But to those who truly trust in him, he will say, come find rest in my kingdom. God promises those who trust in him eternal salvation. But not only that, third, God promises fullness of life. God promises fullness of life. Notice verse 9, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tents. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot." As we read this, we notice that the Lord delivers us. He will protect us from the things that are out there to, to cause us ill. Right? He protects us. He is on the mission to protect His own. He will protect us. He will command His angels concerning us. They will bear us up. Now, we need to make something clear here. What this is not promising is that this is not promising a life of no ills. Right? This is not promising us that we can just go and live life and never have to worry about stumping our toe. Never have to worry about hunger, starvation. Never worry about anything. Never have to worry about cancer. Never have to worry about anything. It's not saying that we will never uh, succumb to illness and even death. We know that. Scripture makes that clear. In fact, even Jesus says, those who desire to follow after, follow after me, you will be persecuted. And so Christians understand that we will be persecuted in life. This text is not promising us a life of ease and relaxation if we just trust in the Lord. But what this is saying is that as we trust in the Lord, He's still sovereign over our lives. And not one thing will happen to us without His approval. Not one thing will take place without His hand being in play. He will watch over us. He will care for us. 
You remember that, uh, oh, Satan, he, he used this same verse to tempt Jesus, didn't he? He took Jesus up to the, the top of the temple and he says, Hey, Jesus, why don't you jump off the temple because it is written. This is the only verse that we ever have recorded of, of Satan quoting Scripture here. But he quotes this verse. It is written he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. And on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike the foot, your foot against a stone. He quotes that. Throw yourself off of the temple because God says, he promises he will lift you up. He will not allow your, your, he won't stumble your toe on even a rock. What did Jesus say? Thus it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So Jesus teaches us we're not just to live life and just forget about it. Let's just live a wild life and do whatever because God's hand is on us. He's going to protect us from anything and everything. Let's jump off the temple and put his faith to the test, his promises to the test. That's not what we're, we're about. He says, don't put the Lord your God to the test. Don't put him to the test. Yes, we will have things happen to us in life. We will suffer sickness. And we will come to a time of, of death. But I want you to know that no matter how long your life is, whether it be a short life or a full life, when you trust God and you dwell in God, when you live in him and, and are determined to walk in his way, he says, I will promise you the fullness of life. I will give you the fullness of life. Why, even Jesus, we know Jesus, he died relatively young, didn't he? He was about 33 years old when he died. But when he faced Calvary's cross, he never turned back. In fact, Hebrews tells us that he looked to the cross for the joy set before him. Despising the shame, despising the pain that was to come, but he looked at it because that was God's will for him and he knew it promised joy. But I want you to see, friend, we, God promises us that we, if we just live our life, we don't have to be anxious about life. We don't have to be anxious about death. Every day that we have, God has, he has it laid out. He has marked the day that we will die, whether it be 33 or 53 or 103. God has appointed a day for each one of us to die. There's no need to worry about what tomorrow brings. There's no need to live in anxiety over what may happen tomorrow. We can march through, through fields of, uh, of, of persecution and not be afraid because our days are marked. God has marked our days. And if we trust in Him, if we trust in Him, we don't have to fear. We fear nothing because he has promised us that he will habitually deliver us from the world's ills and not one ill will affect us unless the Lord says, I'm going to use this for your good. 
I'm going to use this for your maturity. I'm going to use this for my glory. Not one thing will happen to us without God's sovereign hand in it. He will deliver us to eternal salvation. And when we truly trust in him and dwell in him, he says, no matter if you experience hunger or wealth, no matter if you experience persecution or freedom, no matter what you experience, if you dwell in me, God says, I will give you the fullness of life. I will satisfy your soul in me. Oh, dear friend, do you truly trust in the promises of God? Then why do you allow fear to keep you from living in the fullness God has prepared for you? Why are you allowing fear to hold you back from living for God? When you trust in God, you are fully committed to Him and you fear nothing. Third, when you truly trust in God, He affirms His promises in your life. He affirms His promises in your life. Notice what He says here. Because He holds fast to me. This is the Lord speaking the Lord saying, because he holds fast to me in love. Now, notice that. I, I want to draw your attention to that first line. Because he holds fast to me in love. That, that little phrase there, he holds fast in love, is actually one word in the Hebrew. One word in the Hebrew. And it means to be very attached to someone. To have great affection for someone. To be extremely loyal to someone. So he says here, for the one who holds fast to me in love. The one who is committed to me. The one who is attached to me. The one who has utmost affection for me. Who loves me. I want you to see what I do for that one. I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. And look what he promises. I will be, I will, when he calls me, I will answer him. He says, I'll hear your prayers. I will hear your prayers. When you call on my name, I will hear you. And you can bet I will answer you. No, it may not always be what you want, but it's going to be what's best. I'm going to answer you. I will hear your prayers. When you call out my name, I will hear you. I will answer you. Notice then he says, I will be with him in trouble. It doesn't say I will take away all trouble, but he says when trouble comes, I'll be with him. I will be with you in trouble. That means God's saying, I'm going to accompany, accompany you in every step of your life. I'll be there. I'll be there. When you face persecution, when people come out and, and, and say ugly things against you for my name's sake, I'll be by your side. I'll be there with you. I'll be there with you. 
Sometimes, you know, it, it, we've already talked about this in a, a previous psalm. Sometimes it feels like God is, is absent. Sometimes when we're going through those dark moments, it feels like God is not there. But God says, I'm there. I might let you feel the darkness for a moment because I'm doing something in your life. But you can bet I am there. I will be with you in trouble. Then he says, I will rescue him and honor him. I will rescue him out of the trouble and I will honor him. God lifts up those who trust in him. And though we live in humility in this life, God says, I have exalted you. Ephesians chapter 2 says that he has seated us in heavenly places, in Christ. Oh yes, we live on this earth and we live in humility. We're called to a life of humility just as Christ came and lived in humility. But God says, I'm going to honor you. I'm going to exalt you. When you trust in me, you will be an heir to my kingdom. I will seat you in high places. He honors and rescues those who trust in Him. And then that last little verse there, with long life I will satisfy Him and show Him my salvation. Again, that word long life is kind of, it, it's a hard, the Hebrew word behind it is a little hard to translate it. You see, it doesn't necessarily mean that, that those who trust Him are going to have a long life and die of old age. We know that's not true because Jesus didn't die of old age. Uh, uh, Stephen, the first Christian martyr, he was a young man when he was martyred. He didn't die of old age. But, but that phrase there, with long life, it, it means for, the, for your lifespan. For your lifespan. Whatever that lifespan is, that in that lifespan, I will satisfy you. I will satisfy you. I will give you joy. Joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. And whatever days you may live, whether it's 30, whether it's 20, whether it's 100, whatever days you may live, when you are in me, when you trust in me, God says, I will satisfy you. You will experience my joy. In life, no matter what. Hebrews 2, uh, 12, 2 says this of Jesus, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Now the cross doesn't sound like joy to me. The cross is a, an instrument of execution, of painful execution. But the text says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. See, Jesus looked to the trouble of the cross. The sacrifice that he was called to make on Calvary's cross for my sins and your sins. 
And He endured the pain. He endured the agony. He endured the shame of our guilt that was placed upon Him. He endured that in our place for the joy, for the satisfaction of following the command, the will of the Father. He endured it because Jesus knew that true joy, true satisfaction came from being in the Father's will, even if it led to a cross. You want to experience the true joy, the true satisfaction of life? Trust in God. Commit your life to Him. He will deliver you. He has already delivered you in Christ Jesus. He has paved the way through Christ. All there is left for you to do is trust in Him. To give your life to Him. Do you trust Him today? Have you given your life over to Him? Are you committed to God? Are you committed to Jesus Christ? Finally, God saves. God promises salvation with long life. He satisfies him and shows him my salvation. He shows him. God shows us his salvation. That he, is, he affirms his salvation in our lives. He lets us see his salvation. You see, as we live life, we don't have to question. We don't have to question if we're saved. Because by grace, we are saved through faith. And it's not our doing, it's God's doing. Not a result of works, lest any of us should boast. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says... It's God who saves us. And as we trust in Him, we abide in Him, we live for Him, and He satisfies us, then He affirms in us His salvation. And His Spirit bears witness to our spirit that we are children of God. Romans 8, 15, verse 17. Uh, Romans 8, verses 15 through 17, Paul says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And the spirit that dwells in us when we trust in Christ, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Provided we suffer with him in order that we may also glorify, be glorified with him. Have you ever experienced the affirmation of God's salvation in your life? Do you know that you know that you know today that you are in Christ? You know you're saved because of the witness of the Spirit testifying in your spirit that He's there dwelling in you transforming you into the image of Christ. If not, if you lack that assurance today and I beg you, turn to Christ. 
Commit your life to Christ today. He will save you. Do you truly trust in God? For those who truly trust in God, who who truly trust in, in Jesus Christ, we can joyfully sing the final verse of that, that new hymn, Christ Alone. You will sing it with me. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath. Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. Till he returns or calls me home, here in the power of Christ I'll stand. You stand in Christ. You stand in Christ. Do you truly trust in the salvation that He has for you? Have you committed your life to Him? When you truly trust in God and His salvation, you can live life without fear. Dear Christian, do you trust God today? What fear have you allowed to rule over your own life and rob you of the joy that the Lord has for you in your life. Today, I call you to turn it over to God. Whatever it may be, fear of death, fear of sickness, fear uh, of persecution, fear of your neighbor, whatever it may be that's robbing you of joy, lay it on the throne of God today. Hand it over to Him. Declare, I'll live no longer in fear, but I will live for your glory. Truly trust in God. For some, you are here today and fear dominates your life. And it dominates your life because you've never trusted in Jesus Christ. It dominates your life because you have no hope, no security for eternity. If, if cancer gets you tomorrow, what hope do you have? If you die in a car wreck tomorrow, what hope do you have? There is no hope outside of Jesus Christ. Be freed from fear. Trust in God. Trust in His Savior, Jesus Christ. Commit your life to Him today. He died for you. And He rose again declaring your freedom from death, freedom from fear. Trust in Christ. And know the true joy of following Him today. Truly trust God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this message in this psalm. Oh Lord, we confess our fears before you. Oh, how often we allow our fears to, to cripple us, to hold us down and keep us from experiencing your true glory and joy. Oh Lord, may your power overcome that fear today. Shake us clean from all fear, O Lord, that we may live boldly and mightily in your name for your glory.
so that we may know, know the satisfaction that only comes from trusting in you. And Lord, surely there are those today who do not know Jesus. They live in fear because they don't know Christ. Turn their hearts today. Let them see Jesus. Let them know his peace that surpasses all understanding. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.